This is Mornings, coming to you live from the 2030 Summit. 7.20, ABC Perth and ABC Radio WA. In a moment, you're going to meet a man who reckons we have a guilt-edged opportunity if we're prepared to take it. Like many kids of his generation, he used to kick a paper footy, old newspapers wrapped up with string. He grew up in inner city Melbourne. His father was a truck driver and he wanted to be one too. Well, today, Lindsay Fox runs his own trucking empire. He established Victoria's Avalon Airport, and he knows lots about how to make partnerships work. He's going to be on stage in a little while talking about infrastructure and employment, but he's ours now. Good morning to you. Morning, Jeff. How great is the opportunity available to Western Australia if we're not too frightened to take it on? Well, tough times create great opportunities. What Western Australia has going for it are the huge mineral reserves and the amount of huge development in the northwest. This will do tremendous things for your economy. It will employ a lot of people and you capitalise on it. If you look at history, the, uh, the O'Connor forest relationship 100 years ago of private enterprise and government gave you a water system into Kalgoorlie that they've been talking about now in, a, in the east coast of Australia from Queensland all the way down to Victoria. Mm. But you guys did it 100 years ago. Mm. And that is still pumping, and I believe over 60% of what was put in is still being used today. Do you think we celebrate that kind of inventiveness today as much as we did 100 years ago? No, well, you didn't celebrate it then. You no. had all the doubting Thomases saying it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. If I had to believe that, I'd still be driving a truck. Yeah. Hey, Lindsay, I want to quote Mark Twain to you, and I wonder <laughs> if it's become part of your philosophy. The harder you work, the luckier you become. That is very true. Nothing ever sort of fell off the tree. You had to shake the tree, and uh, the fruit then carried itself all the way down to... Uh, to your right hand and ultimately to your mouth. I mentioned the childhood in, in working class in Melbourne of paper footies and not much money, but there was a very strong sense, I understand, of, of community and shared community. Well, you sort of go back to the family values and you know, while they talk on, on infrastructure, the real infrastructure of life is around the family unit. I grew up in a little 15-foot frontage house in Windsor, um, where every Sunday, if anybody arrived, there'd always be enough to spread and go for the visitors that turned up unannounced. Maybe you only got one slice of meat instead of two. Maybe you got two potatoes instead of three. Uh, but there was always enough. The caring and sharing element in those times were, was very predominant, very much uh, akin to probably the Jewish community where on the Friday night they had Shabbos. Mm. Our Sunday lunch was the Australian version of the Jewish Shabbos. Do you think people worry too much that some of those elements of family life don't exist? They exist in my life. They, you know, they exist in, in rural communities, in little neighbourhoods. But, but there's also an argument that as we grow, more and more of us are, are living behind big walls and gates and, and, and not knowing our neighbours. I'm sure of that. Uh, I, I grew up in an environment where you never had a locked door. Uh, and uh, in Stewart Street, where I lived, there must have been 60 kids in probably 20 houses. But the element of caring and sharing was very predominant. If somebody was going bad, uh, 
everybody in the street would either give them a pound of sugar, a pound of, of, uh, of butter, some sausages or some meat. And this wasn't a loan. This was somebody's having a tough time. Let's help them out. Mm. Now, those elements are lost within our community. I can still recall uh, on, on mornings ready to go to school and they come out into the lounge room, which was about 12 foot by 9 foot, and there were strangers sitting in front of the fire. My father bought them in off the street because they never had a roof over their head. Mm. Now, you can't imagine that today, but this is 55, 60 years ago. And that was just a normal practice. If somebody was down and out, you'd do whatever you could to help. And I guess this is where my foundations come from, knowing the values of uh, looking after somebody when they're down, not worrying about them when they're on top of the world, but trying to give them that boost to believe in themselves and believe in in Australia tomorrow. And tomorrow's going to be bigger and better. I'm, I'm very interested. I've heard you say that a few times, the need to tell Australians about the belief that tomorrow will be better. How do we do it? Well, I, I guess I travel probably six or seven times a year around the world. I get on an aeroplane they say, why are we so far away? But when I'm on my way back and I land on Australian soil, I say to myself, thank God we are the lucky country. And where else in the world can you have something that's not religious But it's a community where a little Aussie battler can make his way and go all the way to the top. Do you believe that still? Oh, definitely. You've got to believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing. If you look at the history of great leaders in our country, they weren't educated. They went through practical experience and used that practical experience to give them a, a better footholding going forward for their family. At 12 minutes past nine, you're listening to Lindsay Fox. We're coming to you from the Landcorp 2030 Summit. You haven't had much formal education. You mentioned your dad drove a truck and you wanted to. And now you run a huge business. How do you think you did it? Well, it's fairly simple. There are three principles in a business. Number one, you need a happy customer. Number two, you need to have a contented workforce. Number three, you need to make a profit. And if it's right for one, it's right for ten, it's right for a hundred, it's right for a thousand. Today we run 6,000 trucks in 12 countries. And this has come about primarily because the, the philosophy of number one, number ten, number a hundred was correct. Mm. The only difference was a few more noughts. <laughs> You're travelling around the country with your old friend, the former ACT boss, Bill Kelty to try to save and create jobs. You did this when, 18 years ago, after the, the 1991 recession. What brought you two together to say, come on, we've got to get this show on the road again? Uh, Bill Coley and I started as adversaries fighting one another. He reflecting uh, the position he wanted for his workers, me reflecting on what we needed to make a go of what we were doing. Uh, in 1991, my, uh, one of my sons committed suicide. Kelty wanted me to be fully occupied so I didn't sort of fall off the cliff. Mm. From that time to this, uh, he's probably my best friend. Uh, We decided that we needed to go and make sure that the kids had a future. Instead of taking a a dull check, they took a paycheck. At that time, the highest level of 24-year-olds were committing suicide throughout Australia because they had no faith 
in what was going to happen tomorrow. Mm. So off we went. We went to all the tough areas that uh, people said there was no hope for. They were the ones we attacked first. At the end of 18 months, we created 60,000 jobs all around Australia. And I must say, it was probably the most rewarding experience that I've ever had. And now you're doing it to, to ensure that those people don't fall into the unemployment queues? What we've got to try and do is stimulate people to believe that they can do so many things. Some of the things that Mark Abib uh, put out yesterday about greening, it means a lot of kids can go out and be trained in gardening, get some skills that they never had before. And out of that uh, period, they take a paycheck and they don't become part and parcel of the unemployed sector of our community. What we've got to do is try and stop it growing from where it is. In 1991, we were talking 11 up to about 14% unemployed. At the moment, we're running at about 7 If we can keep a cap on that 7% and uh, find through various subsidies, work for the whole communities all across Australia, we'll come out of it stronger and better. If we don't, we'll go into a hole. Mm. We can't afford to be in a hole. We've got too much going for us. You're listening to Lindsay Fox. It's a quarter past nine. What do you make of what you're hearing? one 720 I'd be very keen to hear from you. Do you know, Lindsay, one thing people will enjoy listening to with you is it's not coming out of the mouth of a politician. And, and I actually don't mean that with disrespect to those who make those decisions, but we are jaundiced when politicians open their mouths for, for reasons good or bad, aren't we? Well, I think one of the things that uh, is so important about this whole process at the moment, we have to identify the, the locations all around Australia, whether they're Labor or Liberal, whether they're Catholic or Protestant, and do something about it. They are all Australians, and that should be the approach where they take a bipartisan position and really believe in it. Mark Abib uh, and his team are doing a great job at the moment, and he's only been thrown in it in the last three or four weeks. Mm. So uh, the Prime Minister is pushing the thing very hard. His total support is behind what we're trying to achieve. And uh, I, I hope within the next three to six months, or certainly before Christmas, everyone's in a position to have a big Christmas. Yeah. What's your message then to a place like this? It's, it's affluent, it's, it's clever, it's remote from the rest of the country, but that also provides it with outstanding trading opportunities to, to Asian neighbours. Um, but sometimes I think people in Perth... Uh, feel a little left out, feel a little removed from the, the national conversation? What would you say to those people? Well, my father was a sand groper for a start and uh, I've always looked at Western Australia as a special place. Friendly, probably the friendliest state in all of the nation today. And it has just so much going for it. You've got to have leadership. You've got to have politicians and business people that are prepared to stand up and lead. I, I relate leadership to that of the sled dog. The sled dog has clear view uh, in front of him, blue skies, and uh, he's leading the pack. All the other dogs running behind, the view is dreadful and the smells horrendous. So you've got to be a lead dog. And uh, if we have people that are prepared to lead, we're going to have tremendous inertia come from it. And if there's anything I would say about Western Australia, you've got to have people that stand out and are leaders that the rest of the community want to follow. 
and if they want to follow them, you've got it all going for you. That's how they win premierships. Yeah, um, look, I'm going to leave the football question to last. But listen, um, Barry's online and wants you to provide a bit of advice. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Uh, Lindsay, how are you? Good, Barry. How are you? I'm very well. Look, I run a, uh, a contracting business and we employ uh, tradesmen and we've got apprentices. I'm just looking for a bit of advice. How do I, how do I inspire these young guys? I, when they come to me, I, I, I look, look, look at them and I, I look for their traits. And then we take them on through this apprenticeship period. And I would suggest realistically that maybe 50% of them, perhaps less, come through at the end of the trade being good quality tradesmen. But I feel like we're losing a, a large proportion of them. They just don't seem to have a lot of a lot of go, you know, a lot of attitude. Um, they're not, they don't seem keen to want to work. Barry, I think the best thing you can do is lead by example. Did you do an apprenticeship? Yeah, I did, in the, in the same trade. Okay, well, I think it's tremendously important that you lead by example. You show the kids that are coming through that you might have come from a working-class background and you'll put this business together and you're living comfortably with your wife, your kids, and whatever else there is. And this should be what they aspire to. But quite often you've got to show them and you've got to persevere. Give them the three chances to become... Uh, somebody that really has self-esteem. The problem with kids today, in many cases, they lack self-esteem. And if you, uh, if you bolster that area and not only work with them, find some situation where you play with them. People that work together, play together, build a solid foundation. And uh, the aspect of infrastructure, of what I'm going to talk about here today, really, in my opinion, starts with the family unit and all of those people. Today we employ something like 22,000 people, but we relate to them all as working with us, not working for us, and that makes a hell of a difference. Barry, thank you for your call. Lindsay, we have to farewell you because you're expected on stage. Just very briefly, uh, do you think St Kilda are going to win the first flag since 1966? I certainly hope so. Uh, it's a great club. I've never seen such oomph as they've got today. Um, I'd like to be out there with them, but I last played for them in 61, and I think it was about 80 pounds ago, and all the clothes that I wear today uh, have shrunk. <laughs> Lindsay Fox, it's been a great pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for coming in.